We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I will discuss science and scientism. We've talked about it before. We've drawn the distinction between the two in previous shows, but it's very important that we understand the difference. What is science and what is scientism? I deal with this in my new book coming out April 13th, Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. I'm Dr. Ever Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's show. Science or scientism? What are we using right now in our country and in our culture as the basis for making decisions? Decisions such as the lockdowns, social distancing, masking, and all of the information that you have or don't have concerning COVID-19 vaccines. How are we, as a culture, as a country, deciding how to live our lives? Are we making those decisions on the basis of science, which is what the progressives, the left, and the Democrat continue to tell us we should do? And frankly, many on the conservative side are saying the exact same thing, and I don't dispute that. Not a science denier. I've said that over and over again. As an educator, I believe in truth with a capital T. And that truth with a capital T is grounded in the objective facts of our reality. And what is science historically? It's the pursuit of those objective facts. It's research. It's establishing a hypothesis and then doing research to confirm or refute that hypothesis. And that research is a process by which We look for evidence, not opinions, not feelings, but facts. And as we discover that evidence, those empirical facts, we build upon science. And in fact, you wouldn't be able to do any of this if it weren't for God. Some people will tell you that religion and science are somehow two different things that are antithetical to one another, two different spheres, excuse me, two different spheres on how to engage in life. One is the empirical facts of science, and the other is religion, which you can't prove. Well, that's not true. You wouldn't have science without religion, without Christianity, without the Bible, without the objective reality of God and his creation, the order that God brings to our existence, the predictability that we see in everything around us, the acknowledgement that there are mathematical laws, for example, that 2 plus 2 is 4, not 5, not 1, not 21. 2 plus 2 is 4. That's a fact. It can't be refuted. It's predictable. It's empirical. That is, well, you could argue, the very elementary principle of science. 
of physics, of engineering. You can't design a bridge if 2 plus 2 doesn't equal 4. If mathematics, the objective reality of mathematics, is nothing but the product of white privilege, which, as you know from a show I did yesterday, you have a professor at Brooklyn College arguing that it is just white privilege that leads us to the conclusion that 2 plus 2 is 4. She's actually saying that. She's ignoring the predictability of God's created order. She's suggesting that this show, my words, my contention, my disagreement with her, is little more than proof of my racism, of white privilege. If that's where we are as a culture, we are in deep trouble, because Not only can you not build a bridge or a house or a high-rise if you don't acknowledge the objective, unchangeable, immutable facts of mathematics, the order and the predictability of the world around us. Not only can you not do those things, but you also can't engage as a civil society because mathematics is lost and likewise is morality. All of this assumes that there's a God out there to give you a measuring rod outside of those things being measured. That's what made science possible in the first place. Galileo was a Christian. Newton was a Christian. Francis Bacon was a Christian. The great scientists of history were Christians. And because they trusted that if they would continue to just pursue the facts that they would be able to build a stronger house of society, a stronger house for civilization, and a stronger house for science, for the empirical, for reality. They didn't deny the biological fact of the female because they knew that it was obvious the truth before their very eyes was that there were two, two, only two divisions in humanity, male and female. And that because of the physiology and the biology and the genetics that distinguish between the two, you could draw those distinctions. And today we deny that. All in the name of science. Isn't that interesting? So, Today's program is about science and scientism. I want to remind you that if you'd like to subscribe to The Rebellion, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. That's patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper, D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. And I also am going to be a little bit of a shameless self-promoter today and telling you that my book, reminding you that my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe But It's Good, is due to be released on April 13th, and that I'll be on Fox and Friends, The Glenn Beck Show, The Huckabee Show, The Dennis Prager Show, and other shows across the nation during that week, doing the circuit to promote Grow Up, Life isn't safe, but it's good. That's grow up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. I need all of you that listen to this podcast to do me a favor. Go out and buy a copy of the book. Please do that. If everyone listening to this podcast right now would just go out and buy 
a copy of the book. Buy two. Give a couple away. Commencement season, graduation season is coming up. This is a great gift for every college graduate and every high school graduate that you know. Grow up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. Go out and buy a copy of the book and then do another thing for me. One of the things that's necessary for books to hit the national bestseller list with Amazon is book reviews. In other words, when you buy the book online, you can then go on that website and give it a five-star review and say nothing but great book or this is a book you need to read or Piper somebody that needs to be heard. You don't have to spend a lot of time. You just spend a few seconds. Number one, buy the book. Number two, please give me a review. I need several hundred reviews to move the book forward in terms of best-selling status. But if everybody listening right now were to buy the book and then go go give it a a positive review, then we will, this, this isn't hyperbole, we will hit national bestseller list in the first week of sales. April 13th, Grow up, life isn't safe, but it's good. Just Google that. Everett Piper, grow up, life isn't safe, but it's good. You'd probably just put grow up, comma, Everett Piper in your Google search, and the book will come up. Amazon.com. I know some of us have issues with Amazon. Well, you can get it at Barnes & Noble. You can get it at Target. You can get it at any other bookstore, whether on ground or online. The reason I push you to Amazon is right now it hasn't been canceled yet. If it is, hmm, we'll see what we'll do about that. But Amazon's where the rankings come from, more so than those other websites. So I'm asking you, as a supporter and a listener of The Rebellion, to consider buying the book. Grow up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. Let's take a break right now and acknowledge our corporate sponsors. And when I get back, we will talk about science and scientism. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a couple minutes and acknowledge our sponsors. Welcome back to The Rebellion. Really appreciate all of you bearing with me as I do some of the promotion. I know you don't listen to the show necessarily to hear that, but I do think you listen to the show because you appreciate some of the ideas. You may not agree with all of what I say, but at least you appreciate iron sharpening iron. Somebody mentioned to me the other day that as we sparred or disagreed over Christy Nome, whether her strategy is good or bad, whether it's she's doing the right thing or the wrong thing in the way she's pushing this bill back to her legislature, this bill that would protect women against biological men that want to steal their track meets and steal their showers and steal their scholarships and steal their sports. I disagree with Christine Noem, as you know, and I've said so. And I'll continue to say so. I believe the way she's handling this is wrong. Well, that's stirred up the ire of several conservatives that listen and that listened to me, maybe even some of you, and they've said, what's wrong with you? This is why the conservatives always lose, is we don't stick together. And I said, no, no, that's not, that's not true in my book. The, the reasons that conservatives are conservatives is we believe in the power of truth to judge the debate. We believe in a good exchange of ideas. We don't believe that disagreement is akin to attacking one another. For example, you may disagree with what I just said, I don't consider that an attack as long as you remain civil and you present your facts to refute what I'm saying. That's what conservatives do. We welcome the debate. We welcome the exchange. We welcome a difference in views. And then we engage in that argument, if you will, with one another 
and we trust the judge on the sidelines to determine who's right and who's wrong. And who is that judge? It's truth. That's science. It's not scientism that worships something else. Here's the segue. I'm going to use a portion of my book right now in engaging in this idea. This is a two-pronged approach. One, to deal with the topic of the day, science and scientism, and the other is to tempt you to want to go buy the book, (laughs) okay? So I talk about narcissists in Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. And I talk about how he gazed in the pool, infatuated with himself as the measure of everything. And I use that story of Narcissus as the context, as the platform, as the premise to say this in the book. In the early 1900s, G.K. Chesterton spoke of the unavoidable consequences of denying God as our creator and worshiping science above the sacred. And then I go on and say this, observing that the naturalists of his day were only too willing to turn their science into a philosophy and then impose that new religion upon all of culture with near fanatic zeal. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? Impose their new religion upon all of culture with near fanatic zeal. Chesterton said, I never said a word against eminent men of science. What I complain of is a vague popular philosophy which supposes itself to be scientific when it is really nothing but a sort of new religion and an uncommonly nasty one, close quote. That's Chesterton back in the early 1900s, prophetic, telling us of what was coming as the worst, as the, um, as culture, naturalists, materialists, those that denied the existence of a God beyond anything that you could touch and taste and see and smell. Remember my discussion of the difference between pre-modern, modern, and post-modern? The naturalists, the modernists, who said there's nothing out there other than the empirical, the stuff that you can touch and taste and see and smell, that you can verify through the empirical senses, have developed a new philosophy and an uncommonly nasty one. And it's not really science because it ignores the very painter of the painting, if you will. Let's go further into the book. Regaining, excuse me, recognizing that science could never presume to compete in the moral arena of technology and philosophy, Chesterton went further. And here's another quote from Chesterton. To mix science up with philosophy is only to produce a philosophy that has lost all its ideal value and a science that has lost all its practical value. It is for my private physician to tell me whether this or that food will kill me. It is for my private philosopher to tell me whether I ought to be killed. Do you understand what Chesterton is saying? By creating this false dichotomy, this division, this division in culture between religion and science, between the moral arena of theology and the practical arena 
of physiology. We've created a monster. We've created something that is unmoored, untethered, unanchored from the very thing that gave us the context to discuss it in the first place. When our scientists think that they are God because they deny any other God, sound familiar? Sound familiar? Dr. Rachel Levine, our new Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services, a man who pretends to be a woman because he looks in the mirror and fancies the God he sees there as being more real than any other God, one that might be revealed in the Bible, for example, we're in trouble. When Dr. Fauci seems to elevate himself against all other all other doctors, all other views with regard to COVID and it's what we should do about it, the solutions. When he elevates himself to the God of COVID and tells us one mask, then two masks, suggests that maybe we should start wearing goggles. We've got to shut down your business. You've got to say, stay six feet apart. This is all science, you know. These are all things that are based in facts. And anybody that disagrees with me is nothing but a religious fanatic. That's nonsense, people. That's nonsense. You have thousands of other scientists called medical doctors that disagree with Mr. Fauci. And again, a good scientist would want to have that debate, would want to pursue the evidence, would want to weigh one view against the other, would want to continue that robust exchange of ideas. Say, what evidence is there out there? Shouldn't we attend to the New England Journal of Medicine, which disagrees with you, Dr. Fauci? How about the Henry Ford Hospital? They disagree with you, Dr. Fauci. How about others in other countries that say, no, we don't see any statistical evidence that pursuing these draconian measures that you're suggesting for the United States actually has that much of an effect on the spread of this disease. None of what I just said is being a science denier. In fact, that elevates my pursuit of the facts above Fauci's and above yours if you've done nothing but bow at the altar of his words, of Cuomo's words, of Governor Newsom's words, of Gretchen Whitmer's words, of all those who say, we know best, listen to us. Children, listen to us, children. We'll tell you what to do. More from my book. Chesterton knew science could answer the questions of mathematics and medicine, but he was likely keenly aware that it had nothing at all to say about meaning and morality. He warned that scientific progress, unrestrained by sacred principles, again, untethered, unmoored, unanchored from the sacred, was fraught with danger. I mean, this is what we saw during the eugenics phase of our worship of science. We turned science into scientism, and we started experimenting on people that we thought, on human beings that we thought, 
were less than fully human. And now we've returned to some of the same language that led us to those decisions, those scientism decisions of eugenics. We've returned to some of the same language in the way we're communicating about other races. Nick Cannon says that white people are lesser than black people or people of color in terms of their humanity because melanin somehow elevates one's actual and factual human existence. It's a very dangerous place for us to go. That isn't science. That's not science, people. That's mixing. That's mixing the pursuit of empirical facts with your political agenda, and that becomes scientism. It's not scientism to acknowledge that God is the creator, and therefore we're going to try to understand the order, the rhyme, the reason of creation. That's not scientism. That's science. It becomes scientism when you, like Nick Cannon or Nicole Hannah-Jones, or Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, decide that you are the end of the story. You can decide what's right or wrong. You can decide what's good or evil because you are as God. It's the original sin. That's what moves it from the pursuit of the creator because you acknowledge the sacred and the order that he brings to your existence and therefore you try to understand it by adding up two plus two and trying to come to the conclusion of four, that's science. But when you start claiming to be God because there is no other God, and you start saying that two plus two is five because the conclusion that it's four is nothing but the product of a previous culture before me, the product of white privilege, folks, that's scientism. That's the difference. C.S. Lewis talked about this. He spoke forthrightly of Western society's diminishment of God while elevating man and technology to fill the void. Predicting the rise of what he and others labeled scientism, where naturalism and materialism would be uncritically evaluated and elevated to the status of religion, Lewis warned of a dystopia where public policy and even moral and religious beliefs would be dictated by professors and politicians only too eager to assume the role of our new cultural high priest. Again, that's straight from my book. Page 34, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. Did that sound familiar? Lewis warned of a dystopia where public policy and even moral and religious beliefs would be dictated by professors and politicians only too eager to assume the role of our new cultural high priests. It's prophetic. It's prophetic. Lewis's words often are because he understood the consequences of ideas that they would lead to a given place. He wasn't a prophet like the Old Testament, Isaiah or Jeremiah. I'm not claiming that, but what I am claiming is that when you can see the inevitable consequences of what you're doing now, and you can look into the future, so to speak, and say to everybody, look, 
History tells us that the consequences of these ideas will lead to a given place. Wake up in one week, in one month, in one year, in a decade, or whatever. We will be in a certain place if we don't stop going down this ideological path. Is that prophecy? Is that prediction? Call it what you will, but it's the acknowledgement that these ideas have a consequence and that they're bad ideas and the consequences will be bad. In his novel, That Hideous Strength, Lewis asks the reader to consider an obvious question after two world wars in which scientism has brought us the advancements of eugenics and mass slaughter of millions of people via poisonous gas, rapid-fire machine guns, ballistic rockets, and atomic bombs. How is our new man-made God working for us? That's straight from my book, and that's from The Hideous Strength. Again, from Lewis. The physical sciences, good and innocent in themselves, have already begun to be warped. They have been subtly maneuvered in a certain direction. Despair of objective truth has been increasingly insinuated into scientism. Indifference and a concentration upon mere power and personal despair have been the result. Power and personal despair as the result of scientism. The elevation of man as God. The determination to ignore anything that says, no, you're not. You're not God. There's a God bigger than you, Dr. Fauci. There's a God bigger than you, Dr. Burks. There's a God bigger than you, Joe Biden. There's a God bigger than you, Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. There's a God bigger than even those on the conservative side. And the only way we're going to pursue what's right and real is to acknowledge that God as the referee of the debate, of the pursuit of truth, of the acknowledgement that there is an objective reality out there. And that reality is not only material, but it's moral. Both of the things are giving to, given to us. Both of those realities are tethered to and anchored to the existence of that God, that creator who has endowed to us certain rights and certain truths that cannot be denied. That's the Piper paraphrase of some of our seminal documents that have given us the United States of America, our free society so that we can live as a free people. Science is grounded in the objective fact of God. Scientism is untethered from that objective fact and worships the God you see in the mirror. It's the story of Narcissus. It's the story of our time. The only way to get away from this nonsense is to grow up and recognize life isn't supposed to be safe. It's good and God is the author of that news. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.